So Perseus started on his journey, going dry shot over land and sea, and his heart was high and joyful, for the winged sandals bore him each day a seven days' journey. And he went by Kethnos, and by Caia, and the pleasant Cyclades to Attica, and past Athens and Thebes and the Copaic Lake, and up the vale of Cephesos, and past the peaks of Eta and Pindos, and over the rich plains of Thessalia, till the sunny hills of Greece were behind him, and before him were the wilds of the north. Then he passed the Thracian mountains, and many a barbarous tribe, Paeons and Dardans and Trabali, till he came to the Ister stream and the dreary Scythian plains. And he walked across the Ister dry shod, and away through the moors and fens, day and night towards the bleak northwest, turning neither to the right hand nor the left, till he came to the unshapen land and the place which has no name. And for seven days he walked through it on a path which few can tell, for those who have trodden it like least to speak of it, and those who go there again in dreams are glad enough when they awake, till he came to the edge of the everlasting night, where the air was full of feathers, and the soil was hard with ice. And there at last he found the three gray sisters, sitting upon a white log of driftwood beneath the cold, white winter moon. He listened and heard them chanting a low song together, a song bemoaning the new ways and celebrating the ways and days of the old gods. There was no living thing around them, not a fly, not a moss upon the rocks. Neither seal nor seagull dare come near, lest the ice should clutch them in its claws. The surge broke up in foam, but it fell again in flakes of snow, and it frosted the hair of the three gray sisters and the bones in the ice cliff above their heads. Perseus could see that in their possession they had a single eye which they passed from one to the other, but for all that they could not see. Perseus also noticed that in their possession they had a single tooth, which they also passed from one to the other, but for all that they could not eat. And so in this manner they sat in the full glare of the full moon, but they were none the warmer for her beams. And seeing all of this, Perseus pitied the three gray sisters, but they did not pity themselves. O venerable mothers, wisdom is the daughter of old age, and you three, therefore, should know many things. Tell me, if you can, the path to the Gorgon. Who is this who reproaches us with old age? This is one of the voices of one of the children of men. I do not reproach, but honor your old age, and I am one of the sons of men and of the heroes. The rulers of Olympus have sent me to ask you the way to the Gorgon. There are new rulers in Olympus, and all new things are bad for us. We hate your rulers, and the heroes and the children of men. We are the kindred of the Titans, and the giants and the Gorgons the ancient monsters of the deep. Who is this rash and insolent man who pushes unbidden into our world? There never was such a world as ours, nor will there ever be again if we let him see it. He will spoil it all. With this said, the sisters began to make demands of each other. Give me the eye that I might see him, and give me the tooth that I may bite him. 
But Perseus, when he saw they were foolish and proud and did not love the children of men at all, stopped pitying them immediately and said instead to himself, Hungry men must needs be hasty. If I stay making many words here, I shall be starved. And as they groped about between themselves, he held out his own hand, gently, till one of them put the eye into it, fancying that it was the hand of her sister. Then he sprang back and laughed and cried, Cruel and proud women, I have your eye, and I will throw it into the sea unless you tell me the path to the gorgon and swear to me that you tell it right. The three gray sisters wept and chattered and scolded, but in vain. They were forced to tell the truth, though when they told it, Perseus could hardly make out their meaning. You must go, foolish boy, to the southward, into the ugly glare of the sun, till you come to Atlas, the giant, who holds the heavens and the earth apart. You must ask his daughters, the Hesperides, who are young and foolish like yourself. And now give us back our eye, for we have forgotten all the rest. So Perseus gave them back their eye, but instead of using it, they nodded and fell fast asleep, and were turned into blocks of ice, till the tide came up and washed them all away. And now they float up and down like icebergs forever, weeping whenever they meet the sunshine, and the fruitful summer, and the warm south wind, which fills young hearts with joy. But Perseus leaped away to the southward, leaving the snow and ice behind, past the islands of the Hyperboreans and the Tin Isles and the long Iberian shore, while the sun rose higher day by day upon a bright blue summer sea. And the terns and the seagulls swept laughing round his head and called to him to stop and play. And the dolphins gambled up as he passed and offered to carry him on their backs. All night long the sea nymphs sang sweetly, and the Tritons blew upon their conchs as they played around Galatia their queen in her car of pearled shells. Day by day the sun rose higher and leapt more swiftly into the sea at night and more swiftly out of the sea at dawn, while Perseus skimmed over the billows like a seagull, and his feet were never wetted, and leapt on from wave to wave, and his limbs were never weary, till he saw far away a mighty mountain all rose red in the setting sun. Its base was wrapped in forests, and its peak was wreathed in clouds, and Perseus knew that it was the home of Atlas, who holds the heavens and the earth apart. He came to the mountain quickly and leapt ashore and wandered upward among pleasant valleys and waterfalls and tall trees and strange ferns and flowers, but there was no smoke rising from any glen, nor house, nor sign of man. At last he heard sweet voices singing, and he guessed that he had come to the garden of the nymphs, the daughters of the evening star. They sang like nightingales among the thickets, and Perseus stopped to hear their song, but the words which they spoke he could not understand, no, nor no man after him, for many a hundred years. So he stepped forward to see them dancing hand in hand around the charmed tree, which bent under its golden fruit, and round the tree base was coiled the dragon, old Laden, the sleepless snake, who lies there forever, listening to the songs of the maidens, blinking and watching with dry, bright eyes. Then Perseus stopped, but not because he feared the dragon, rather because he was bashful before these fair maidens, 
But when they saw him, they too stopped and called to him with trembling voices, Who are you? Are you Hercules the Mighty, who will come to rob our garden and carry off our golden fruit? Perseus smiled and answered, I am not Hercules the Mighty, and I want none of your golden fruit. Tell me, fair nymphs, the way which leads to the Gorgon, that I may go on my way to slay her. Not yet, not yet, fair boy. Come dance with us round the tree in the garden which knows no winter, the home of the south wind and the sun. Come hither and play with us a while. We have danced alone here for thousands of years, and our hearts are weary with longing for a playfellow. So come, come, dance with us. I cannot dance with you, fair maidens, for I must do the errand of the immortals. So tell me the way to the Gorgon, lest I wander and perish in the waves. Then the nymph sighed and wept and answered, The Gorgon, she will freeze you into stone. It's better to die like a hero than live like an ox in a stall. The immortals have lent me their weapons, and they will also grant me the wit to use them. The nymph sighed again and answered, Fair boy, if you are bent on your own ruin, be it so. We know not the way to the Gorgon, but we will ask the giant Atlas, above upon the mountain peak, the brother of our father, the silver evening star. He sits aloft and sees across the ocean and far away into the unshapen land. So they went up to the mountain to Atlas, their uncle, and Perseus went up with them, and they found the giant there kneeling as he held the heavens and the earth apart. They asked him, and he answered mildly, pointing to the seaboard with his mighty hand. I can see the Gorgons lying on an island far away, but this youth can never come near them unless he has the hat of darkness, which whoever so wears cannot be seen. Where is that hat, that I may find it? No living mortal can find that hat, for it lies in the depths of Hades, in the regions of the dead. But my nieces are immortal, and they shall fetch it for you, if you will promise me one thing, and keep your word. Then Perseus promised, and the giant said, When you come back with the head of Medusa, you shall show me the beautiful horror, that I may lose my feeling and my breathing, and become a stone forever for it is weary labor for me to hold the heavens and the earth apart. And so Perseus promised, and the eldest of the nymphs went down and into the dark cavern among the cliffs, out of which came smoke and thunder, for it was one of the mouths of hell. Perseus and the nymphs sat down for seven days and waited, trembling, till the nymph came up once more, and her face was pale and her eyes dazzled by the bright light, for she had long been in the dreary darkness but in her hand was the magic hat. All the nymphs kissed Perseus and wept over him a long while, but he was only impatient to be gone, and at last they put the hat upon his head and he vanished out of their sight. And so Perseus went on boldly past many an ugly sight far away into the heart of the unshapen land, beyond the streams of ocean, to the isles where no ship cruises, where is neither night nor day, where nothing is in its right place, and nothing has a name, till he heard the rustle of the gorgon's wings and saw the glitter of their brazen talons, and then he knew it was time to halt, lest Medusa should freeze him into stone. He thought a while with himself and remembered Athena's words. He rose aloft into the air and held the mirror of the shield above his head and looked up into it that he might see all that was below him. 
and in the reflection he beheld the three gorgons sleeping as huge as elephants. He knew that they could not see him because the hat of darkness hid him, and yet he trembled as he sank down near them, so terrible were their brazen claws. Two of the gorgons were foul as swine and lay sleeping heavily as swine sleep, with their mighty wings outspread. But Medusa tossed to and fro restlessly, and as she tossed, Perseus pitied her. She looked so fair and sad. Her plumage was like a rainbow, and her face was like the face of a nymph, only her eyebrows were knit and her lips clenched with everlasting care and pain and her long neck gleamed so white in the mirror that Perseus had not the heart to strike, and said, If only it had been either of her sisters. But as he looked, from among her tresses the viper's heads awoke, and peeped up with their bright dry eyes, and showed their fangs and hissed, and Medusa, as she tossed, threw back her wings and showed her brazen claws, and Perseus saw that for all her beauty, She was as foul and venomous as the rest. Perseus then came down and stepped to her boldly and looked steadfastly on his mirror and struck with Harpy stoutly once, and he did not need to strike again. Then he wrapped the head in goatskin, turning away his eyes as he did so, and sprang into the air aloft faster than he had ever sprung before, for Medusa's wings and talons rattled as she sank dead upon the rocks and her two foul sisters awoke. Into the air they sprang, yelling and looking for him who had done the deed. Thrice they swung round and round like hawks who beat for a partridge, and thrice they snuffed round and round like hounds who draw upon a deer, and at last they struck upon the scent of her blood, and they checked for a moment to make sure, and then on they rushed with a fearful howl, while the wind rattled hoarse in their wings. On they rushed, sweeping and flapping like eagles after a hare, and the blood of Perseus ran cold for all his courage as he saw them come howling on his track, and he cried, Bear me well now, brave sandals, for the hounds of death are at my heels. And well indeed did the brave sandals carry him, aloft through the clouds and sunshine, across the shoreless sea, and fast followed the hounds of death as the roar of their wings came down the wind. But the roar came down fainter, and fainter, and the howl of their voices died away, for the sandals were too swift, even for gorgons, and by nightfall they were far behind, two black specks in the southern sky, till the sun sank and he saw them no more. Eventually he came again to Atlas and the Garden of the Nymphs, and when the giant heard him coming he groaned and said, Fulfill thy promise to me, Then Perseus held up to him the gorgon's head, and he had rest from all his toil, for he became a crag of stone, which sleeps forever, far above the clouds. Perseus then thanked the nymphs and asked them, By what road shall I go homeward again? For I wandered far round in coming here. And they wept and cried in response, Go home no more, but stay and play with us, the lonely maidens who dwell forever far away from gods and men. But he refused, and they told him his road, and said, Take with you this magic fruit, which, if you eat once, you will not hunger for seven days. For you must go eastward, and eastward ever, over the doleful Libyan shore, which Poseidon gave to Father Zeus when he burst open the Bosphorus and the Hellespont, 
and drowned the fair Lectonian land, and Zeus took that land in exchange, a fair bargain, much bad ground for a little good, and to this day it lies waste and desert with shingle and rock and sand. And with this they kissed Perseus, and wept over him as he leapt down the mountain and into the sky, and on he went, lessening and lessening, like a seagull, away and out to sea.